and welcome folks to Definitive Cinema. I am one of your three co-hosts this week. Uh, my name is Chris Peterson, founder, editor-in-chief of Onstage Blog and OnStageBlog.com. Join with me to my virtual right is Mr. Greg Earhart. How are you, sir? Are you going to bark all day, Mr. Peterson, or are you going to bite? <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Uh, and also to my virtual left uh, is our chief film critic of the On Screen blog, Mr. Ken Jones. How are you, sir? Ooh, that's a bingo. <laughs> is that the way you say it? That's a bingo? That's a, Is that it? <laughs> I do like the, the references. I mean, is this what I'm supposed to expect from you guys? Absolutely. Every time I intro? Okay, all right. I just want to make sure I get that right. I mean, didn't you listen to Box Office Preview for a full year? <laughs> I, this is your thing, right? Uh, okay, all right. I, I got to get used to that. All right. Well, maybe yeah, next week plug. I'll... Yeah. <laughs> got to commit plug. to the gimmick. Got to do it. Got to do it. Well, this is Definitive Cinema, folks, where we basically answer the question, if you met someone who had no idea who X or what genre of film or plot line or whatever it is, uh, what example would you use to define this person's career, this director's career, this movie genre, the whole nine yards. So basically, if aliens land on the planet, what would you show as an example of this? And this week, we are talking about one of the most iconic uh, directors of certainly of, of our lifetimes, but perhaps uh, of all time, Mr. Quentin Tarantino. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and I'm putting together a special team, and I need me eight soldiers. We're going to be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. Superman didn't become Superman. Superman was born Superman. When Superman wakes up in the morning, he's Superman. The reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. The way your dad looked at it, this watch was your birthright. Be damned if any slope's gonna put the greasy other hands on his boy's birthright, so he hit it. In one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. Lay your palms flat on that tabletop. If you lift those palms off that turtle shell tabletop, Mr. Bruce is gonna let loose both barrels that sawed off. So very excited to break into this one. Um, without a doubt, when you talk about Quentin Tarantino films, they have a particular style. Uh, they they might not you know perhaps take place in the same genre, but you you know a Quentin Tarantino film when you see it, which is why Absolutely. it's been basically copied so many times and 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 failed so many times by other directors and writers uh, over the over the you know past thirty years. So, uh, Greg, let me start with you. Let's talk about Quentin Tarantino's iconic presence in Hollywood. What is what is your thoughts uh, on the director himself? Yeah, he's he's an event director. Um, whatever he makes, he can make a movie about grass growing, and you know a lot of people are going to go see it. You know, but he's just one of those. He's one. Of, he's only a few directors, I think, today like that, and he's one of them. Uh, he he has. I think he put it very well. He has his own unique spin. Uh, whatever the subject material is, whether he tackles Nazi Germany or um, you know or slavery, uh, you want to see his spin on it. And uh, and it's just a credit to him because he just has a unique flair uh, for all the subject matters. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Ken, how about your, what do you, what are your thoughts on Quentin Tarantino's legacy overall? Um, well, I, I think when you think of first thing I think of when, with Tarantino is the, the, really the scripts of his movies, uh, the dialogue. Um, and just like he said, like that kind of, you know, a Tarantino movie when you see it, it, it kind of feels like he takes like, you know, a dozen different references and like puts them all into a blender and throws them out, and when they come out, it's like this fresh, unique, like distinctly Quentin Tarantino thing every time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we know, should also, I just want to also point out, he's one of the few directors that can really pull off a three-hour movie, you know, as most yeah. of his movies are three hours, <laughs> and honestly, it's it never feels three hours, except for maybe a couple that we'll get to, but most most of the time, it's just, it's uh, you want more. Yeah, yeah there's very few moments in his movies that really drag. Or, you know, you feel like looking at your watch or whatever, like, is this even, thing almost over or even though like his movies aren't particularly fast paced, right? <laughs> you know, not, again, not time, no. right. And it's it's very methodically paced, yet it never feels slow. You know, one thing I find very interesting and I want I want both your thoughts on this is that he's one of those directors that I think if you're an actor in Hollywood and you get a call from your agent saying Tarantino wants you in his movie, I don't care what the role is. You say yes. Ken, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't recall any reading any stories of anyone that like turned down a role in, in a Tarantino Will, movie. Will or Smith. if they did, they didn't regret it. Well, Will Smith did famously for uh, for Django right. Unchained. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that obviously did not. They uh, usually, like I said, help. they usually end up regretting it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, to an, an example of that, I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, like James Remar, who's no, I wouldn't call him a, like a you know an A list celebrity, obviously, but he's he's a name. Like people know who James yeah. Remar is. He's in the movie for literally a second, literally a second. He throws a punch, and he's not in the rest of the movie. Um, chances are, like he probably got a call saying that they need you for like an hour on a Tuesday. Um, yes, you're gonna do that absolutely. And you know, Greg, I think to that point, with the actors that are in his movies you typically get like their best work. Uh, I don't think anybody phones in uh, anything, you know, when it, when they're in a Tarantino film. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, certainly when you, when you get Leo DiCaprio to want to work with you for, for multiple movies, you know, you're doing something right. And obviously he's had Sam Jackson and uh, Bruce Dern for multiple movies as well. And probably uh, Michael Madsen. And right. Right. <laughs> right. We can go right. on. Yeah. yeah, he has no. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, so I think he above. I mean, Nolan's the other guy that comes to mind where he just has his little stable of actors that mm. you know come aboard for every movie. Um, yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a pretty good point about. I mean, I think certainly it's probably. I think he's certainly gotten the best of Sam, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, Leo, hmm. I have to think about. I have to think about Leo. Mm. But, Those are two pretty good. Pretty great Leo performances. They are, yeah. No, they certainly. really are. I mean, they're right actually, up there at the top, even if they're not like his, you know, best best. Like they're they're right up there. Right, right. Did you guys read that? There's now a conspiracy theory that um, that Leo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is actually the actor playing his character in Django Unchained. Yeah, I, I I saw the headline or something about that on Twitter. I didn't read an article about it or anything. That's pretty- I mean, it's fun to think about, right? Come on, why yeah. not? Uh, and that's I mean, what. Other, that's- sorry, what, one other thing we should probably mention too with Travol- with uh, Tarantino 
is how he's he's resurrected the career of of several actors, mm. uh, starting with Travolta, and then you know Pam Greer, and then um, Keith Carradine. Yeah, and then you know Jennifer Jason Leigh in uh, Hateful Eight. I mean, she got a Golden Globe nomination out of that. So, um, yeah, no, it, you're you're absolutely he. I, and again, you know, we're making the comparison to Nolan. Nolan did the same thing where he pulls some of these these actors that you haven't seen in years, like Tom Berenger and Rucker Hauer, mm. um, into these movies that you're like, oh my god, it's it's Rucker Hauer. He's in the you know he's in Batman Begins. This is great. So. Um, yeah, and again, that, that I think that just speaks to the fact that both these directors, given that they do consistent quality work, I mean, when you think of, we'll talk about like what we feel is, the, you know, the worst of Tarantino, but the worst of Tarantino is like, come on now, it's the probably best the best of like most other directors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it, I, I'm really interested to break down th- that down uh, that later. So um, yeah, no, absolutely, he's definitely. I think he's one of the most iconic directors, and sadly, I mean, we're on the tail end of his career apparently i mean i think he's got what two one more left before he said he was going to retire mm. right right i don't depending, believe depending that, on how but... you count his, depending on how you count his movies and <laughs> you know and right. how he's counting his movies etc yeah i mean he's i think he's been pretty consistent that he's got one more in him and and that's about it so that's yeah it. it's sad i hope he's wrong and i hope <laughs> and i hope he comes back to do more but. exactly all right well on this podcast what we like to do to avoid anybody making any sneaky last minute changes to what they yeah. feel is the definitive uh, like, film, like like yeah. me um what we will do is on the count of three we will proudly state what we feel is our pick for definitive cinema and they will, will go one at a time breaking down why so gentlemen are you ready yes all right on the count of three one two three Inglorious Fiction. Upon a Time in Hollywood. Whoa! <laughs> three different all tricks? three different picks. I love wow, it. That's why right. we do this. That's why we do this! All right. <laughs> Greg, you kicked us off last week. Ken, why don't you kick us off this week? You sure? <laughs> please. Well, because you, I think chronologically, your pick yes. was the first one. Just please don't give us the entire I'm synopsis. I'm not going to. Don't worry of, about let's it. Let's assume that most of the audience <laughs> no, has no, no, seen no. I mean, it, how, these you movies. Can't really, you can't really get into the synopsis of Pulp Fiction. It's it's so <laughs> it's, it's all, no over the, all over the place. You know? in it. We know who directed it. All right. Let's, so we know the awards it won. Okay. Let's go. Exactly. All right. Uh, go ahead. All right, Why so, did you pick Pulp Fiction? I mean, it's basically regarded as his best movie. Like even you know, widely speaking, um, it's. I, I think if you look, if you think of the '90s, it's it's one of, if not the most iconic movie of the decade, and it created an army of imitators. Like there, there was a slew of just people that were trying to make the next Pulp Fiction for like a solid decade or more. Um, it it. it felt like a revolutionary moment in filmmaking at the time it still feels like a point of like demarcation in movies like there's before pulp fiction and after pulp fiction um it, it's like most of his movies it's it's effortlessly cool uh i i love the it's got one of the great MacGuffins i think in movies uh it's got an awesome soundtrack uh it's quotable you got memorable scenes um it resurrected the career of john travolta made you know samuel L. jackson in one of his best performances um you know it's got a lot of like crazy like 
out of nowhere moments like Marvin sitting in the back seat of the car, you know, the <laughs> gimp, stuff like that. Uh, that just really like the first time you see it, like really just catch you off guard and, and like make you stand up and, and like take notice, you know? Um, and it's, it's one of those movies that like Quentin Tarantino, there, there's, I think, more with his later stuff, there's a lot of self-indulgence in, with some stuff, which I still love. Um, but, it, you know, there's a lot of, um, like, pop culture references, soundtracks, uh, uh, references in this movie. And, you know, dialogue taking precedent over almost everything. But it doesn't feel like Tarantino, like, could have used, a, a you know, another round of editing with this movie. It feels like everything that's in there is in there for a reason and a purpose you know so that's that's where i like that's where i come down with pulp fiction see i i i wasn't gonna go with pulp fiction i thought about it but the reason why i didn't go with it was um i don't know i just it felt like it it that feels like the obvious choice for me but right i I feel like that's the kickstart like that's like his breakthrough year and um but i don't feel like that pulp fiction i guess defines him as a filmmaker See, yeah, I think it does. Sense. Like, I think he's become a more refined filmmaker in in subsequent years. But I think I think Pulp Fiction's still the pinnacle for him. It's still well, the Greg. Pinnacle. Greg, what are your thoughts on Pulp Fiction? Uh, I want to save mine for when I review Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I'm going to explain why you're both wrong. But Chris, I think we should go to chronological order. So uh, yeah, we should go through Inglorious Bastards. Well, yeah. here's why I picked Inglorious Bastards because I feel Inglorious Bastards is. In a sense, the 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 turning point for for Tarantino's career. Um, not that he wasn't a good filmmaker beforehand, but I felt like with Inglorious Bastards, this is where he's hitting all of his notes at at optimal levels. The first, in terms of writing, cinematography, pacing, just overall filmmaking, imagery, um, is just it's it's a fantastic movie. Do I think it's his definitive movie? Yes. Do I also think it's his best movie he's ever made? Yes. Um, so that was it for me. You you get incredible performances. The the first scene uh, with Christoph Waltz uh, in in the French family's barn uh, is quite possibly one of the greatest written scenes uh, I have ever seen on film. I remember, and I remember, and my wife will actually uh, you know serve as a witness for this. We saw that movie. I turned to her right after that scene was over. I said, "That guy's going to win the Oscar this year," mm. and sure enough, he did. Um, and it's just an absolutely incredible, incredible movie. I mean, they, <laughs> at one point I thought it was a little distracting to put Mike Myers in the middle of the thing, but I was like, okay, <laughs> thankfully they didn't they didn't linger too much on there. But um, everybody and their mother is in this movie. I mean, Ma- Michael Fassbender's in it for like ten minutes, and he's great. He's fantastic. So yeah, I feel like that that's like his prime was Inglorious Bastards. Was it's like everything that he does well or what he's known for is is really truly firing on all cylinders and that's why inglorious bastards was my pick now greg yes. you picked his most recent film once yes. upon a time in hollywood tell us why yes. so this is the definitive cinema and what truly defines quentin tarantino is i think i have four three four factors maybe three if i'm counting right uh one is violence particularly kind of operatic violence in bursts not throughout the movie but uh is a very distinct uh tone with with violence usually at the end of the movies two is his tension-filled dialogue um he is quentin tarantino especially when it comes into his script writing he is a master at taking normal 
dialogue and being able to film it with tension without without much else going on in it just being able to get the most out of the actors to really i mean i think classic example chris not just the the first scene in uh, inglorious bastards but also the bar scene in glorious bastards when uh mm. when they're playing the card game and 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 that sort of thing um that's i would also say and then the third thing is Tarantino is big on every one of his movies deals with themes of the importance of fables and storytelling. So that's a theme in, in all of his work. And so I think the definitive choice has to incorporate uh, all three of those, at least all three of those uh, aspects to it. And I think the only movie that really does that in a convincing fashion uh, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It, I mean, actually, there's, there's a fourth thing that I forgot to list here, which is nostalgia. And uh, Tarantino is very nostalgic <laughs> towards uh, his favorite genres. Um, I think many, not all, but many of his movies deal directly with nostalgia for some genre. Other, obviously, Kill Bill deals with kind of nostalgia for the kung fu uh, movie. Um, I think a couple of the movies deal with nostalgia for the westerns, um, the, the Death Proof, and the other one deals with nostalgia for whatever you call that genre of cinema. Um, and Once Upon a Time Hollywood combines that as well, because there's a lot of nostalgia for not just westerns, but also just for old Hollywood. Um, and that's very that kind of weaves in together with kind of the fable and nostalgia of storytelling and how, and how important that is. So it really, so Once Upon a Time Hollywood is sort of the total package from that regard. It also has Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt sort of top of their games and they got nominated. Um, I don't think getting to your guys' choices, um, Inglorious Bastards, I think the issue with that, if I'm showing a movie to aliens, that last scene of, um, of the Jewish soldiers just like slaughtering the Nazi army, <laughs> that's a little tough. That, that's a little over the top, even by Tarantino's standard. I don't want aliens to see that <laughs> as being, okay, here's the one thing. Okay, you really are taking this alien thing. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, 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 I am. That is, that's, that's a treat. <laughs> Uh, so it's, that's a little tough for me, even though I agree, Chris, like I think those two scenes, the, the milk scene and the bar scene, might, might be his two best scenes out of all the movies uh, combined. As for Pulp Fiction, um, this this is getting a little hot takey. I don't think Tread that movie is, I don't think that movie is aged as well as his other movies. That's um, a good point. That's a good point. The Bruce Willis scenes are kind of tough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very draggy i think it's kind of a tough rewatch at least from my point of view like it's kind of a chore um to sort of get this sit through like some of those scenes again so again you have to give it credit for how revolutionary it was and it is a, it is a good not saying it's not a good movie it is a good movie um but just in terms of rewatchability and just i think i think how it ages it's not it's, it wouldn't be my choice for here aliens here is quentin tarantino represented by this movie i think Tarantino well, the aliens aren't rewatching it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're taking it home. They're taking the they're DVD it home for the first them. time. This is, this is it. Right, they're, they're taking point. the DVD home. With them. So, Ken, I w- go ahead, Greg. Yeah, I was gonna say I think Tarantino has perfected his craft later, which has, which you know, culminated with, I think, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ken, what are your thoughts on both Inglorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time? Oh, I mean, you're not going to get me to say anything bad about anything that Tarantino's done, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I I had a blast watching both of them. Um, I'd, I'd probably rank Inglorious Bastards slightly higher than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but uh, it's it's a matter of degrees, not like uh, you know class or anything like that. It's and yeah. we I think we may get to this later. I don't think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his best movie, but I do think it is like the true ultimate Tarantino. Like it's, I, it's, I think 
Weirdly, I thought Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was his, like, aside from, like, the last, uh, like, 20 minutes or whatever there, where everything just goes crazy, it was one of the least Tarantino-ish movies that he has made. That's a good point. Oh, okay. I just, I, I very much, I disagree. I disagree a lot there. I mean, there's a lot of, like, you know, like, the movie within a movie and, or the TV series and everything, like, there's, there's a lot of that stuff um that's you know like classic vintage tarantino and stuff like yeah. it, but it just there's a lot of it's all the it, notes. it didn't it, it didn't feel like um yeah it, it felt it just felt like different like a, a more grown up and 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 mature uh if you can say that about tarantino <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. uh, kind of kind of movie sure. from him yeah. all right but the real question is which movie has the definitive feet scene that's that's really nah. <laughs> well, that's kill bill like your big toe <laughs> that's true that's true well you know the thing Greg, that, I, or if it's if it's uh the three of us then it's once upon a time in hollywood because uh margot robbie spends like five minutes like with her feet <laughs> right. just up on the on right. the seat just in front of her feet the all over theater. these movies all yes. over these movies um greg you hit a, a, an interesting point on this and I, and I wanted to make sure i mentioned it um I do think of all of Tarantino's movies, the only one that I feel that I would sit down and watch a hundred times in a row is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know why. Um, you know, it's like of all of his films, I, 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 it's just weird that I feel I find myself drawn to that one for rewatchability. And yet, I think in terms of a dialogue sense, it's not his. It's 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 obviously not his strongest script. I mean, there's there's a lot of scenes that go. Uh, with absolutely no words spoken whatsoever, so it really does rely on, you know, the action of of the actors and things like that. Especially, basically, all of Margot Robbie's scenes, a lot of what Brad Pitt does. Uh, it's not like he's monologuing the entire time. Um, but there, there, but there are nuggets in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They're absolutely phenomenal. Like, I I love everything that Leo does. Um, I will I will stand firm that I think that that is actually his best on-screen performance he's ever given um that's just my own personal take but um yeah no it, it, it's an absolutely fantastic movie um and the only reason why i didn't pick it because i just didn't feel yeah i just didn't feel like it was the, the definitive tarantino if that makes sense but um good nonetheless good nonetheless so I, i'm not sure if, i'm not sure if we're gonna do leo and this is slightly tangential but i don't know if we're gonna do leo definitive cinema but I think Wolf of Wall Street is his number one. This is his best mm. Oh yeah, I think I might true. be there with you. Uh, yeah, that'd be my. That's best. true. That's true. All he's, right, he's great. <laughs> oh my god! I, I mean, say, we will like, definitely do ter- uh, DiCaprio something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say, in terms of rewatchability with Tarantino, I'm probably more drawn to the Kill Bill movies. Actually, I am, t- I, I am too. Yeah. I mean, it's we're splitting hairs, probably. It's yes, like, you know, it's like it's like it's like watching you know degree of difficulties between Olympic events, where it's like the margin is not uh, that far off from from one yeah. or the other. You know, well, but it's interesting. But like, even you take Django, and I think I think Django is great, but that movie kind of falls apart. I shouldn't say it falls apart. It has a very everything after Calvin Candy's dead and um, Doctor Schultz is dead is sort of like. The movie should have found a way to end around there because everything after that feels extremely anticlimactic and it kind of takes away from the movie. Yeah, that Ooh. just everything that happens after that. That's just that's my feeling. That's a good but. point. Now, let me ask you this question before you start breaking down our best and worst for Tarantino. The rumor 
is that he's going to finish on a Star Trek film. Like that is the, the popular rumor out there. Is that what you want for Tarantino? I, I personally do not. I, I no. like him writing kind of original stories and seeing how he's one of the few directors that can get original stories made the way he wants to nowadays. That's what I feel like he should be. Uh, Greg, your thoughts. Should he end on a, you know, a different intellectual property that's not his own? I'm not even sure if I want him doing it at all at any point during his filmography. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I love Star Trek and I love Tarantino, and I would be fascinated to see the two of them collide, but certainly not for his last. And I'm not even. I just think the two should probably stay separate. You know, mm. I, I think Tarantino needs should do original work. I just, if he did like, I don't know. <laughs> like a Marvel property, like Ant-Man three, it would just be strange and bizarre. And I just, you know, it just, he, he should do original work. Yeah. How about you? Can't the same you thing with Christopher Nolan. I mean, I know Christopher yes. Nolan did Batman begin, did the Batman franchise, but I think now that he's established himself with original stuff, he should just stay that way. Absolutely. Can we think? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't need to see him do uh, star Trek, especially <laughs> for his, I mean, it would, it would be cool to like, as like a one-off kind of thing. If it were, if you know, I don't mind an episode. He still had like right. five or six like movies left in him, but if he only wants to make one more movie, then then he should. I mean, he's earned the right to go out on his own terms, I guess. But uh, it it really should be something original, like everything I, else he's done. Yeah, I think he actually shot down that that rumor too. Chris. I mean, yeah, okay, I, I, happened, said that but I think he said, you know what? Never mind. All right. Well, if that's the official word, thank God. Very thank God. <laughs> and yeah. I gotta say, you know, I, I think it's actually kind of interesting and admirable that a director would say, you know what, I'm going to probably be done after this, or I don't want to be directing movies into my seventies when, you know, leave on a high note when you, you know, you know, I want to bring up the example that, you know, we sadly lost, you know, Joel Schumacher uh, this week. And, you know, this is a director that directed well into his, you know, older years. And you could argue that perhaps he never really was a great director to begin with or did great movies to begin with. But I mean, you certainly can make the case that his, his work had fallen off, you know, later in years. And I kind of respect the fact that a director like Tarantino would say, you know what? No, I'm going to leave on a high. And, uh, you know, obviously he doesn't need the money and things like that. So yeah, I think when you're artistically fulfilled, why not walk out, you know? I mean, same time, like flip side for that, like how old is Martin Scorsese and he's still putting out quality work. Yeah, that's true. So, and Spielberg, I mean, he's got yeah. you know some stuff coming out too, and um, yeah, that's a good point. Greg, I mean, I'll, I'll oh, like sorry to interrupt, but I mean, I'll believe if Tarantino is actually only doing one more movie, I'll believe it when I never see another one after the next <laughs> right. one. Because right. Steven Soderbergh said the same thing like six years ago, and right now he's right. back doing movies, yeah. and he hasn't lost a step. He's still got the creative juices going. So still good. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yes, Scorsese is a good juxtaposition. Uh, I mean, again, Tarantino's earned the right to call his uh, victory lap when he calls it, but I hope he does. I hope he directs into his seventies, and if he okay. if he does, it'll be because he still feels passionate about it and brought and yay if that's the case. Yeah. All right. Final question for both of you before we get into best and worst. So, Greg, you touched on this earlier. Tarantino, Nolan, very short list of what we call event directors. When they come out yeah. with a movie, it is an event. Uh, that should be seen by all cinephiles to you sir that's and i know you how much you hate mount rushmore's so i'm gonna do a mount rushmore (laughs) greg you just named two of the faces of the mount rushmore for event directors in your mind give me your two picks for two others today 
as of 2020? Mm. In 2020. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Scorsese's still on that, as, yep. as incredible as it is. Yeah. I, I think. Yep. And I have to say Jordan Peele. I think he's my number four. Oh, wow. There you go. Good pick. Yeah. Good pick. Mm. Ken, how about you? Oh, man. Um, Considering, uh, so we agree that Tarantino and Nolan both belong on that Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I'm not sure I can narrow it down to two more off the top of my head. Come on. I, I, it's. <laughs> First two that come to your mind, then. I, I, I can't. It's definitely not Spielberg. <laughs> I just it's, can't. Which is, which is crazy to say, but Spielberg's not an event director. He's anymore. diluted his material. Like, that's the yeah. problem. He's done too much, almost. I mean, okay, uh, Fincher. Okay. Be a third for me. Um. Mm. And then, uh, I'm I'm good with him off Rushmore. He's a good one. That's a good name. But I'm good oh, with him uh, you know what? Paul Thomas Anderson. There you go. Two good <sighs> picks. Two good picks. Wes For Anderson, me, honorable mention. No, I was about to say. Uh, yeah. I was about to say, if we're doing a Mount Rushmore, I got to put Wes Anderson <laughs> yeah. on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, uh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, who, who I'll put him on there. Who who you bumping? Go ahead. Who am I, who am I bumping? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, who 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 were my two picks? So your two picks were um, Paul Thomas Anderson and yeah. David Fincher. I'll I'll bump Fincher just because he hasn't done anything movie wise for I don't know like eight years now. <laughs> That's true. Well, what, so, Wes, Anderson, Wes putting... Anderson and PT Anderson. Well, wait, but so you're putting Wes Anderson ahead of Jordan Peele and uh, yes. Scorsese in Scorsese, really? Yep. Yes, so really. So the only black really. guy, the only black guy, Mount Rushmore, and you're bumping him for Valerie the West Anderson. Is that, is that how it's going to go? Well, then I, I'm going to put John Singleton. No, no, I'm kidding because he's, he's probably passed. Um, so, sorry. Uh, no, what I would do is uh, Wes Anderson, obviously. Oh yeah, Wes Anderson is such an event film that nobody goes to see his movie. Yeah, you got two movies that cracked fifty million. For God's Those sake. are fighting words. Jesus. Fighting words. Um, <laughs> And, and you know that, what? I'm going to say who, the New York City art house community. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to ignore. I'm going to ignore the noise. Uh, California. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah, it's an event. Hey, and that. you know what? Yeah. I'm going to say. I'm going to say the Coen Brothers. Mm. Yeah. That's when they're one. when they're when they're writing and directing a movie, it's an event. Can Can we expand it to like eight? Because <laughs> I want to. Like, <laughs> I want to put like Denis Villeneuve on there too, you know. This is not the oh, uh, uh, Hall of Presidents, uh, sir. Like, uh, so hard. <laughs> well, the reason why I wanted to do this exercise was to see which episodes Greg will not be on. So that's why. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's wrap this up with kind of a fun exercise I like to do on this podcast, where we talk about what we feel is the best and worst examples of this week's topic. So we are talking about Tarantino films. Ken, really quickly. What is your best Tarantino film and what is your worst Tarantino film? Well, I mean, I, I still think Pulp Fiction is the best. And I think uh, probably Death Proof is the weakest, if not. It's hard to say it's the worst, but I mean, because it's all relative. But, you know, I, well, I, I we put talked... Death, Pool, Death Proof at the bottom of the uh, Tarantino rankings. Good. So tell us why, real quick. Uh, just, <clears throat> it felt like a um maybe just because when it came out it was part of a double feature but it, it felt like like not a fully formed movie mm -hmm. compared to his other stuff it's a good choice it's a good pick all right greg best and worst 
my, I, I, I truly think the best is Kill Bill Volume Two. I think it's a masterpiece. Mm. Um, I don't think there's a wasted second in it. Uh, the goldfish scene between Bill and um, and the bride mm. is just yeah. <laughs> it's up right up there, you know, with the milk scene and uh, and the bar scene in my in my view. Um, love the way it's sort of played with expectations. Um, I think everything's great. The dialogue, the action. I think it's almost like. Yeah, that that's my pick. It's I think it's most rewatchable and also you know just the the, the complete total package of a revenge mm. film. Worst uh, and your worst, hateful eight in my opinion. Uh, I think it's I think it's an hour too long. <laughs> you know, like, I think Django is like twenty minutes too long. Hateful eight's like an hour too long. Don't watch it's, the miniseries version of it oh, on Netflix. Oh then. my god, I can't. I, I won't. I'm just. I'm, I, trust me. I love Tarantino. I really like Django. I uh, I can. I you know, Greg, you hit upon a good point with with Kill Bill Volume Two. You know, when we talk about ranking the top ten greatest you know written scenes ever, uh, or at least in our lifetime, I mean, Tarantino probably occupies like seven of the ten slots. Uh, I mean, and that's that's up there. It really is. What an incredible scene! And right in that scene, that's that's hit, you know David Carradine's best performance in five minutes of his entire career. So that's oh, just, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. Without and, a the, doubt. and the, well, and the Superman speech too. Superman. The, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, so great. Cause that's the so thing. Good. It's like the whole thing led up to this dramatic confrontation between the two. And, you know, again, played with expectations, You're expecting a huge fight, but it turns out the real confrontation is this divorce couple, <laughs> you know, ultimately yeah. in their marriage, kind of their, in their marriage disputes, you know, it was brilliant. Love just a, just a brilliant choice. Well, for mine, I went. Obviously, I'm gonna stick with *Inglorious Bastards* as his best work. Uh, but worst, Greg, I'm gonna agree with you. *Hateful Eight. I, and I'm a theater guy, and that's. I mean, it really is watching a play. It really is cool watching right. a play. But right. some some people do that well, and with Tarantino, I don't want to see that. And it was like, especially when you're like, you you hear all these things about the production. I was like, oh, 70 millimeter cinema scope, and then like most of it takes place in a house. So you're like, huh. Okay. So, so you don't want to you don't want to see Tarantino doing a bottle episode. No, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't happy with that one. So as but I, as I was watching, I was like, man, this is the best play I've ever seen. And then like you know, I was like, okay, but when is it going to turn into a movie? But um, it's fine. I mean, he was exploring things. It's cool. Great cast. What are you going to do? Um, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week on Definitive Cinema, guys. This was a good one. Uh, great pick. I think next week we got to go genre. We're not gonna. I don't think we're gonna make a selection right now in the air, but um, I think we definitely need to go genre next. Yeah, uh, no need to uh, box ourselves in. Absolutely, but we will. Be doing, I mean, I know down the line we will be doing DiCaprio. We will be doing Definitive Pitt. Uh, we will definitely be doing Definitive Kurt Russell. I mean, that's that's an obvious mm. movie. You know, episode we have to do. Big Trouble so, in Little China. I mean. Come on now. The, or the, the guy who wore, was the computer that wore tennis shoes. Uh, go back to those Disney films. Yeah. Right. Definitive Don Knotts. Uh, here, here we go. Yeah. Executive decision. Executive decision. Oh, I love it. I love it. The, the possibilities are endless. So uh, there we go. Well, guys, thank you so much. Greg, anything else you want to add real quick before we sign off? You're Chris effing Peterson. Don't you forget it. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Ken, how about you? Arrivederci. Gorlami. <laughs> Gorlami. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, I love it. Well, folks, you can watch this or watch or listen to this podcast uh, on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com. Also, new is that all these episodes can be watched technically on YouTube. We finally have a YouTube channel, uh, and we are now going to be posting all these episodes up there. So you can definitely uh, go up there, and we will be splicing in some clips, some audio, things like that. Uh, so it should actually be really, really interesting to watch it on YouTube on that end. Um, of course, follow us if you can. Um, definitely rate us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, the whole nine yards. It definitely helps our algorithms. Uh, but we will see who you right here next week on Definitive Cinema. Thank you, gentlemen.